Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. It's the worst football I've ever seen. I'm coming back to England, man. And I'm keeping my titles. I just remember the atmosphere was incredible. I think it was one of the games that I couldn't wait to get out of. That that was a really important moment in winning the bid as well. Yeah, it just puts you on the spot. Like you just kind of done there with me. <laughs> At least you joined in. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. This podcast has been set up by Technowood School and our aim is to teach our students new skills through podcasting. Each week we chat to famous sportsmen and women from around the world. We delve deep into their sporting careers, their highs and lows, and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. All of our students' hard work and dedication has paid off, as we have recently won a Global Sports Podcast Award for the best equality in social sports podcast. That's enough from me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, which are our students who host the podcast, and I will let them introduce today's guest. Thank you. Tenderwood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former professional footballer. He has played for West Ham and the best team in the world, Wolves. Welcome to the podcast, Matt Jarvis. <laughs> Thank you very much. We like to start our podcast up with some quick fire questions before we start talking about your career. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Oh, um, oh, it's a good question. Um, I don't know if you're talking footballers. Um, John Terry, Jamie Redknapp. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Um, you see, this is a tough question. I think I'd probably go for someone like either a movie star or a mu- musician, just because it's completely different to to what I would be used to. So maybe even someone like Ed Sheeran or someone like that that would be able to, 
you know, go and perform in a concert, but then also just have some other completely different life uh, and journey. So, yeah, maybe a musician or or even someone like uh, uh, DiCaprio, something like that. I think that would be quite cool. <clears throat> if you could go back to one day in your life, what, what day would it be and why? Um, not including football, um, I would... I would 100% go back to uh, when me, me and my wife got married because we, we got married in Mauritius, but we had all of our friends and family. So it was like one big holiday um, with family, you know, um, and at the end of it, we got married. So it was just like uh, one, probably the best holiday you'd ever, you could ever go on. So I'd definitely go back to them. We want to take you back to the beginning and talk about your childhood. What are your memories of growing up and did you always want to be a footballer? <clears throat> memories growing up. I um so I've got an older brother. He's, you know, just uh that two and a half years, two and three quarter years older than me. Um so we used to, you know, be doing all sorts of sport when we were growing up. I remember mum and dad used to take me here, there, and everywhere. Um I used to have whether it was football, swimming, athletics, cross country, I was doing something every night of the week. Sometimes it was twice a week, uh, tw- twice a night. So uh, I always, I always loved football. I always knew that was my my main sort of passion. But I, I just loved the the training, the competing. Um, so swimming, um, cross country, and athletics was was great at that. And um, so that that was my childhood memories of of just enjoying being out training playing sport so we're at the part of the podcast now where we are going to guess the photo i've got a photo here of a very iconic sporting moment and i'm going to hand over to tom and Alyssa, who are going to do their best to explain the photo to you and then we'll give you the answer at the end of the episode well right today we're looking at a, a photo from a big moment in golf so basically um it looks like the ball has just been hit and um there's a guy in white with a 67 shirt on and the guy with the club is wearing red shirt uh, a black hat and is wearing um black would you say chinos i'm saying the with chinos we have no idea yeah our fashion sense uh it's about as Good as um well knowledge of golf. Yes. Um, so do you think zero. this is a is he hitting it far or is he hitting it a little bit? Do you think? That I think that's like a, a little bit because that, that looks, looks like, like that's putt. in the close second that's area. A tiny putt. Yeah, so it's a tiny, tiny chips. So we've yeah. got a man wearing red with a club doing a little chip on the side of the green, and then there's a man next to him with his clubs wearing all white and a green hat and a number sixty seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so good luck it's a very iconic golfing moment and um, we'll come back later in the episode with the answer you come from a very sporty family your mum and dad were both British number one table tennis players is that right? <laughs> it's correct yeah um, yeah it's uh, a strange one but a fantastic one yeah my mum and dad both played table tennis that's how they met but both incredibly uh, talented at it and my um, my mum won the European mixed doubles uh, and my dad was uh, continued after retiring from playing he was the England head coach for over 30 years so very fortunate in in that sense but um, they never pushed me into table tennis but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite handy after a little practice 
You were a youth player at Millwall. How did it feel to play at the club, but also how did it feel to be released by them at a young age? Yeah, very difficult. I think at a young age now, everyone's expected to be at academy. Um, and I was I was lucky in the sense that I, I was at Millwall for about seven years. Um, so it was great to be at an academy. I really enjoyed you know, the training. I had to go up, you know, leave school, go get straight in the car and drive up to, to Millwall to train on a Tuesday and a Thursday and, and a Saturday and Sunday. Um, but when you get to a point and then you're getting released at 16, it's it's demoralising. It's it's really difficult to take at that age to to be told you're not good enough, I suppose. But I was fortunate that Gillingham were were there straight away that wanted me to go down and, and train. And um, it took me about two weeks to to decide to go there. But yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to get told you're, you're not good enough. But that's football. That's based on opinion. So someone thinks that and someone else thinks something else. So you've got to just keep going and, and try your best. You were then signed by... Jilim uh, Ham and made your professional debut at 17. How did it feel to make your professional debut? Absolutely incredible. Um, I think you know any any I suppose young kid that enjoys playing football wants to make it professionally and, and then to play in the first team and and that was my dream. Um, it was just an incredible feeling to to get onto the pitch. I think it was a an evening kickoff against Sunderland. Um, and they were probably the best team in the league at that time. So it was it was a, a really good eye opener into how uh, how good everyone else was at that level. So uh, one I would ne- never forget, and uh, wanted me. I, I was desperate for for more. Is it right that you live with Ryan Bertrand, who went on to play for such teams such as Chelsea and Southampton? What are your memories of that time of your life? That is correct. Very good research. Um, I, my, I, when I went to Gillingham, I lived in Diggs. Uh, so I lived with another family and that was with Ryan. Um, Ryan and his mum and his brother. Uh, so we, I lived there for about three years with two other teammates in the youth team. And um, he then, uh, he was at Gillingham at the time. But then as he got to get a youth team contract, I think it was, he then moved to, to Chelsea and has obviously done extremely well ever since. And funny enough, um, I actually don't live too far from him now. So I see his his kids and my kids go to the same school. During your time at, at Gillingham, the club got relegated from the championship into League One. Was that difficult at the time of you such at a young age? Uh, yes, it was difficult <clears throat> in the sense that um, I think at the time that squad there was quite a an older squad. And I think everyone on the bus journey home, once we got relegated, knew that that was going to be it. The The whole squad was going to be split up and it was going to be a rebuild. Um, so it was, it was sad that everyone wasn't going to be there. I think for me, it probably, it was the first time you, you, you know, you get a realization that, you know, getting relegated affects everyone. Um, so, you know, staff may be losing their jobs, uh, that sort of thing. So the importance of of everything, but unfortunately, you have to get your head down and um, get yourself back training and, and hope that you can do well for for the team the following year. Um, a number of teams wanted to buy you in two thousand and seven, and in the end, you signed for Wolves. 
What was it about Wolves that made you want to sign? Um, Mick McCarthy. Um, he was a huge, huge factor. Um, I actually flew out to meet him for the for the afternoon to Portugal. He was on holiday in Portugal and he wanted to meet me. So I flew out um, and sat down and had some lunch with him. And and after speaking to him, there was nowhere else I, I wanted to go than, than Wolves. Um, he told me his his vision for the club and what he why he wanted me to go there. Um, and then obviously I asked him a few questions and and that was it really. I come back, I got shown around the the, the stadium, the training ground, and I mean, what's not to like? It's it's a fantastic club, great set of fans, um, and it, it was a very easy decision for me. As you said before, Mick McCarthy was the manager of Wolves at the time you played. What was he like as a manager? He's probably the best manager I've ever worked with. Um, the biggest compliment I can give him is he was honest. Um, and by that, I mean, if you were playing well, he'd tell you you're playing well. If you weren't playing well, he would tell you you're not playing well. And before a game, if if, if you got what's classed as the, the curly finger, he'd be like, right, come into my office on a Friday and tell you that um, you're not playing tomorrow. You're going to be on the bench. It wasn't someone telling you, I'm, I'm, you're not playing today, but you're going to play on Tuesday. He was saying, you're not playing. This is the reason why you could agree or disagree with it, but that was the reason. And then he'd be say, just be ready to come off the bench if I need you. Rather than other managers potentially would say, you're going to, I'm going to rest you today, but you're going to play on Tuesday. And then the team wins on the Saturday and they would then go, well, I can't change the team because they've won. Mick was very honest. He was on the training ground every day with us. Um, and I, that's what I, I loved about it. You got promotion to the Premier League with Wolves in the 2008-2009 season. What are your memories of that season and getting promotion? Incredible. It's probably the... the I mean, there's nothing like winning uh, in football and, and winning week in, week out and then being crowned champions and going up as as the winners of the, of the championship. It was an f- incredible season, both from playing and we had quite a young squad and lots of the players were a similar age. We've never played in the Premier League before. So we were hungry to, to get promoted and all of our wives and girlfriends as well. We're all close. So it was just a, a fantastic experience to, to share with everyone. Um, there's a few games that I remember in that season that are pivotal. I think the Nottingham Forest win at home. Uh, I think we were 3-0 up or 4-0 up, 3-0 at halftime. We absolutely blitzed the game. Um, and then uh, Derby away um, as well. I think we won 2-1. Um, and that was just sort of, you, you can feel that we were going to win the, the league after that. I think the promotion um, and it just incredible moments that you you don't really realise until until you've retired that actually they are the the best moments in 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 playing football when you win trophies and you're getting promoted as as a as a team. Uh, you take us inside the dressing room before a game. What was your um, routine. routine like, um, and how do you um, prepare before a match? Okay, so usually there would be one of the players would be the sort of DJ, I suppose, would have some music on. Um, the manager would do his talk, then the music would go on. And, and for me personally, I had a, a few different routines. I would 
had to have my ankle strapped. Um, so I'd go and get physio to strap my ankles. And then after that, I would go through different, um, you know, putting me right sock on first, then we left and uh, then I'll start doing some stretching and then doing some bit more movements and maybe do some core work before I would even start going to put my boots on um, and then run through. You always got to look through to on the board or have your um, set pieces. So where you were supposed to be for set pieces, whether you're taking them or whether you're defending them. Uh, that would be sort of my routine. I'd always go out if it was uh, going out to walk out ready for the game. I'd always leave my shirt off until the last moment to, to go out. And I'd always look at my name on the back just before I walk out to look at it and remind myself, right, this is just incredible that I'm playing football. This is my name on the back of my shirt and, and walk out. A good friend of our podcast is former Wolves player Dave Edwards. What was Dave like as a person and a player? Brilliant. I still speak to Edo now. Um, great character, great guy. Could run all day long. Um, after five minutes in the game, he'd looked uh, absolutely knackered, but could carry on for 300 minutes if he wanted to. He was he was super fit, Always was always able to get in the right place at the right time, arriving in, into the box. Um, was really clinical uh, finisher. Um, and a really great guy to to have around the change room. Um, so yeah, really like Dave. Nice to hear that you guys still have a bond there. Hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah, definitely. How did you find playing in the Premier League? Was the step up from the Championship a big one? How did I find it? I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I think any professional athlete or player always wants to test themselves against the best. And and for me, the Premier League is the best league in the world. So to to make the the jump up to it, I I actually felt like I I really adapted quickly and I, I loved playing against the best fullbacks in the world. And yeah, I don't think there's there's anyone that, that doesn't enjoy it. It's the step up. The biggest biggest difference I would say from the from the championship to the Premier League is in the championship, you get less time on the ball, but it's easier to do something with it. Whereas in the Premier League, you get a bit more time on the ball because you get a bit more respect in, and then in the, but it's actually harder to do anything with it. Because if you try to cross, they they close the gap quickly and they block the cross. If you, if you go to shoot, they're then they're ready to block, but you can actually have a couple more touches in the Premier League, but it's actually harder to do something with it. And um, who was the best player you played against in the Premier League and why? Oh, um, that is a very difficult question. Um, I mean, if I, if I was going to say, I'd have to go who, who I was against. So I'd probably have to be a fullback because otherwise you could, you could name anyone, Rooney, John Terry, then Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes. That's that sort of caliber of player. But if I'm going to go fullback, I didn't ever really play on the right that much. But I remember a couple of games that I did for Wolves, um, and I played against Ashley Cole. And I would probably say he's the best fullback that's ever played in the Premier League, in my opinion. So I'd, I'd probably say him. In the 2010 to 2011 season, you won the Supporters Player of the Year and the Players Player of the Year. What are your memories of that season? 
Um, yeah, amazing to be honest. Um, being able to win them them you know awards is, is is really nice to to get it from the fans and from the players. I think that means yeah everything, doesn't it? Um, so really really nice to 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 win awards personally um, and individually, but it's um, yeah it's it's one of them. It, it doesn't matter unless unless the team's doing well uh, in, in the Premier League. So um, fantastic to, to win them awards and really proud to be able to have them. Um, so, yeah, delighted. Uh, you called up to the England squad in 2011. You made your debut against Ghana. What are your memories of that? It's a dream come true. Absolute dream come true. Um, I remember warming up in the second half and just looking down at the bench, ready for someone to wave me down to 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 call me back. And and as soon as I saw it, I sprinted back. And I remember a shirt was off. I was ready to come on the pitch. And I remember it was Jack Wiltshire that come off for me. And I came on. And as I sort of high fived him to walk on, I just remember thinking, I've done it. I've played for my country. No one can ever take this away from me. It's 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 the best. It's the pinnacle of 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 playing football for me um and I and I'd done it and then you could go on the pitch and you try and as best you possibly can just get back to playing football do you think should have players more than one against um, game for England I I would I would have loved to have had more um and I you know I I played you know a lot of games after uh, in the Premier League, that I hoped that I I would get back in the in the in the squad. Um, it was one of the reasons why I, I went to West Ham to to back to be back in the Premier League and and to get back in the England squad. Unfortunately for me, there was uh, competition in the wide areas was was pretty pretty good. So unfortunately, it was just the one, but um, it was still one. So I'm I'm still pleased with that. Uh, in August 2012, it was reported that you submitted a transfer request to leave Wolves. Why did you do that? Um, just for the exact reason I just said, um, I felt my performances at the end of that season, I think I scored seven goals in 13 games towards the end of the season, uh, just played for England. I needed to, if I wanted to carry on with my career and, and get back to playing uh, for England, the only way I was going to do that by was playing in the Premier League week in, week out. So uh, when the opportunity came that West Ham had put in quite a few bids, I I felt that that was the, the way I needed to go to, to further my career. Here at the Amethyst Academies Trust, we are incredibly ambitious for our schools and our pupils, and we believe that there is no ceiling on what can be achieved by anyone. Working in partnership with Penhall School and Technal Wood School, we are proposing to refurbish the beautiful Penhall Mansion, a grade two-star listed building in Wolverhampton, into an exciting and professional specialist vocational college for young people aged 14 to 19 with special educational needs and disabilities. Changing the face of employability for young people with SEND, the college will offer specialist career pathways and in-house vocational learning experiences for students that will be open to the public. Students will be able to develop their skills, knowledge and flourish in confidence across a wide range of audiences. 
We need to raise £400,000 to refurbish the mansion and provide accessible and stimulated learning and working spaces for students and the community. We are relying on public donations, business relationships and support, no matter how big or small, to make this college a reality for our students. Donate today. Go to www.sedgwick.aatrust.co.uk Sedgwick College. Discover bright futures. You then signed for West Ham, straight starting your career at Millwall. Did you, did it ever concur that, concern you that you were going to join West Ham? Not at all, because um, Millwall released me. So um, that sort of side of things had, had completely gone. Um, and West Ham were the ones that desperately wanted me and and signed me and played a, paid a club record fee for me. So there was only ever going to be West Ham for me. Um, you were West Ham's record signing at the time. Did that add any extra pressure to you? Uh, yes, it did. Um, I think anyone that's club record signing that gets that's in the attacking uh, areas will always have that pressure that they should be scoring, assisting, and and yeah, I, I did feel the pressure. I I put more pressure on myself than anyone um, to to play well, but. Um, you know that that's just part and parcel of of being um, the club record signing. So you do feel the pressure, but at the same time, you you've you've just got to try and as best you possibly can uh, play your best football. Sam Allardyce was was manager when you were at West Ham. What was he like as a manager? He was yeah, he he was uh, the best way to describe him. He was an old school manager with all of the new technology so what I mean by that is he was the first one to bring in uh, sports psychologists he was the first one to use the the analysts so he had uh, GPS trackers on us for training for games and used everyone like um, how uh, your high intensity uh, your output and, and everything on that side of things and and you set pieces and um broke the season down for for us into like eight games sections so that you could make it a bit easier on yourself to plan for the next eight games rather than looking at the season in a whole. Um, So in that side of things, he was very, very good. Um, The other side being the old school manager, I think it's just because of the way that he he grew up and managed in, in that sort of style. Can you give us an insight into the squad at West Ham? Who were the characters in the dressing room and who were the practical jokers? <laughs> we had a really good squad um, at West Ham. We had, uh, obviously, we had Jack Collison and, and Mark Noble. And um, I think there's quite there's quite a few that were jokers in the, in the pack. Um, but the, the squad as, as, t- as a togetherness was, was really, really good. I think uh, you know a lot of the lads were uh, again similar ages had uh, played at the top level. Had um, we would go out as as a group after training, as well as have that team spirit on the on the training pitch. So the changing room was always a buzzy place. Um, Czech Kyoto, uh, uh, who's now at Crystal Palace, he was another one that was uh, 
a big character in the change room as well. Um, you then joined Warsaw and Woking. What did you, how did you find your time at those clubs and did you enjoy dropping down the leagues and playing at that level? Um, yeah, so I, I went to Norwich and I, I uh, started really well there, but unfortunately picked up a few injuries. Um, so <clears throat> after a, a, a couple of years uh, being out injured, I, I needed to go out and play games. And Walsall was a fantastic opportunity for me to just go and get myself back into, into football and, and play games, which, which, which I did. And um, it's a really good club. Um, still speak to a few people that, that are in and around it now. Um, and then after that, I, uh, I moved back home because I'd been, I'd been away from my you know, friends and family for, for a long time. So decided to, to stay local and, and, um, and Woking was a, was a really good prospect for me. Um, so was delighted to, to play for them for the last part of my career. What is your favourite match you have ever played in? Um, that is a very good question Um, I think it's really difficult to go away from the England game uh, just purely and simply because it was the pinnacle of of playing football for me Um, plus uh, it was at Wembley in front of 80 odd thousand fans Uh, all of my friends and all of my family were at the game so um, for me it's hard to to look past that one Um, what Best goal you have ever... What's the best goal you have ever scored? Um, there's probably... I could probably think of a couple that were pretty, pretty cool. Um, uh, there was one when I played for Wolves um, away at Wigan. I think I cut in from the left and curled it into the top corner, which was pretty cool. Um, the only the the other one that I would class as, as up there would be uh, the volley I scored um, against... Aston Villa for, for Wolves which we won 1-0 and that goal actually got me in the England squad so um, I normally say that one just for the importance of it as well um, Do you want to be a coach or manager? Uh, or neither <laughs> um, I've done my coaching badges um, at the moment I'm really enjoying doing the, the media and the punditry side of things um, so if I can't play to actually talk about it um is is where I am at the moment. I'm not saying that I will never get into coaching, but at the moment I'm really enjoying the media side of things. Uh, every week on the podcast, we like our guests to uh, ask questions to each other. So we get a guest to ask a question, but they have no idea who the question is going to be for. This week's questions comes from our Previous guests, England cricketer Mark Butcher, and the question he wants to ask is, what food is your guilty pleasure? It's easy for me, that's sweets. I love like Haribo, Tang Fastics, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have them very often at all. I used to. Um, I used to have it when I was a kid. I used to have it all the time, uh, before a game or, or a swimming gala especially. But yeah, as a guilty pleasure, sweets definitely. Yeah. So before we finish, Matt, we would like to you to do the same. Could you think of a question that we can ask our next guest? However, we are not going to tell you who our next guest is. It can be any question at all. Okay. Let me have a quick thing for you. Um, 
Who has been the biggest influence on your career? I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Matt. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the guest photo part of the podcast. The image of the golfer is Tiger Woods at the Masters in 2005. At Augusta National, he was on the 16th hole with a nearly impossible chip and somehow he managed to chip the ball into the hole and it's gone down in history as one of the greatest goal shots of all time. So boys, what what do you think about this episode of the podcast? Well, I think that was a very inspirational podcast this time. Um, obviously, he's from he played for Wolves, um, and obviously they're from Wolves. And I'm just thinking, wow, I've just spoke to someone who's actually a Wolves football player. I've never done that before, and I found it very exciting. How about you, after? Um, great, actually, because um, we talk about him. Actually, he's played Wolves. I Wolves actually a really big fan in Wolves. He's talked about everything. He's story and his career yeah honestly like the others have said we're just astonished by this episode because it's an honor um it's our like second uh wolves like play that we've had on the podcast and um yeah so i'm just honestly amazed and it was it was grateful chatting to him and um all the different people that he's tried to um over the years so i'm i'm just grateful for this episode so yeah um guys make sure to follow us on social media uh instagram twitter tiktok youtube etc thank you for listening take care see you guys see you guys the tws sports podcast combines autism and sport this unique podcast is hosted by children with autism and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.